we welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, I will read um, verse, I actually need verse 25, but I will go from verse 22 for, so we can get or understand the context from the pretext. J- James 1, 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word, be what? Doers of the word, be what? Doers of the word. So say to yourself, the word of God is for doing. The word of God is for doing. Again, takes us back to Acts chapter 1, verse 1, right? The former account I write to you, O most excellent Theophilus of all that Christ began both to do and to teach. So the word of God is for doing. It's not just for hearing. The word of God is is, is not beneficial if it is only heard. I repeat, the word of God is not beneficial if it is only heard. The word of God is not beneficial if he is only heard. The word of God is not beneficial if it is only received. The word of God is not beneficial if he is only received. The word of God is even not beneficial if it is only understood. The word of God is not beneficial if he is only understood. The word of God is only beneficial when you are doing what you have received. When you are doing what you have heard. When you are doing, even if you don't fully understand it. You're doing it. That's when certain benefits begin to accrue to you. Hallelujah. James chapter 1 verse 22, be doers of the word. Be doers of the word. Say again, the word of God is for my doing. The word of God is for my doing. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. 24. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You, you, you look yourself in the mirror and you see you're wearing a blue, blue whatever this thing is called, um, with red, whatever thing is called, whatever you want to call it. It's blue, it has a bit of red in it somewhere. And I look in the mirror and I see that, oh, that, that looks really nice. You know, that looks really good. And as soon as I turn away, I immediately forget what I looked like. I immediately Can you see how crucial that is? I immediately forget what I looked like such that I have to probably have somebody tell me and if somebody begins to describe to you what you look like that you're not sure of, then you can be sure that there'll be different perceptions about what you look like sold to you. So he says, anyone that looks, that hears the word of God and does not do it is like somebody who looks at their reflection in the mirror and instantly, as soon as you turn away, you forget what you look like. 24, for he observes, goes away, immediately forgets what manner of man he was. 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and this is not the law of Moses. This is not the law of Moses. The perfect law of liberty is not the law of Moses. It's not the 10 commandments. It's not the 613 that accompany it. He that looks into the perfect law of liberty, and I'll show you that in a little bit, and continues in it. He that looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And what is the work? Continuing in the word. The context of the word work here is in context with hearing the word and doing what the word says. For he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, 
and is not a forgetful hearer, but is a doer of the work. What is the work? Staying with the word. The work in the context of this, of this scripture is staying with the word, being rooted and grounded in the word, continually reading the word, continually learning the word, continually applying yourself to being taught the word, continually learning how to rightly divide the word of truth and to apply yourself to the deliberate application of it. This one, this one, no other. This one, this one who continues, who looks into the perfect law of liberty, who continues in it, who is not a forgetful hearer, but is a doer of the work of staying with, abiding with, and obeying the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. So if the believer does not fall into this category, there's some blessing, whatever that blessing is, that you're rubbing yourself up. And then you find that what we actually call blessings that, we, that are absent in our lives are a direct function of our inability to look into the perfect law of liberty, to continue therein, to not be a forgetful hearer, but to do the work. Isn't it interesting how it doesn't say to do the word? It says do the work, doer of the work. Staying with the word is the work of the believer as opposed to works unto righteousness. Does that make sense? It's the glory of God, of a king to, to conceal a matter. It's the glory of sons to search it out. And he has revealed these things to us by his spirit. Let me point out two things in this text of John, James 1.25. Let me point out the word perfect law of liberty as opposed to the law of Moses and then the word blessing. To establish the perfect law of liberty, let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now, Paul says, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse 2, you see that now. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You see that law? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is referred to as the ministry of death in 2 Corinthians 3. It's also referred to as the ministry of condemnation. So if you look at the fact that it, the law was a ministry of condemnation, you can actually interpret Hebrews, um, Romans 8 one in the light of the fact that there is therefore now no working of the law to those who... There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's therefore now no bondage to or limit or emphasis of or, or, or obligation to the law. Because that was the ministry of condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life. And what is that? The grace of God. The grace of God is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has made us free from the law of sin and death. Which is what we have in the law of Moses. So that's, that explains that, okay? That's, that explains Paul, uh, James's reference to the perfect law of liberty. It is the grace of God, the word of truth, the gospel is the perfect law of liberty. Amen. Amen. 
All right, let's look at Revelation 1.3. I'll, 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 pick, I'll pick up on the word. He, he will be blessed in, in what he does in a, in, a, in a brief moment. He will be blessed in what he does. He who looks into the law, he who continues in it, he who is not a forgetful hearer, but he who is a doer of the work, he will be blessed in what he does. Revelation 1 and 3. You see the word again, blessed. Hmm. Is he who reads and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. Just two verses earlier. It starts with the revelation of Jesus Christ. So go to verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. What was this prophecy? This prophecy was the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Does that make sense now? Yeah. Revelation 1.1, 1, 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show him his servants things which must come. And then verse 3 now says, blessed is he who hears, uh, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Blessed. I'm going to that word in a short while. Look at Luke chapter 11 verse 28. Hallelujah. Luke 11 28. But he said, actually back up to verse 26. For, let's, let, let the pretext give us a bit of a run into this. Okay. Um, um, 20. All right. No, go back to 27. 27. He talks about the, pre previously he talks about the person who a demon is cast out of, right? And, and, and then the demon goes around and roams around and comes back and sees that nothing take, took its place. So it comes back and it brings with it seven other demons stronger than it. And that's, that's where that narrative ends. And it, and, and it says, as, as it happened, verse 27, Luke 11, 27. And it happened that as he spoke these things, a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. <laughs> I'm sure you can hear the woman's voice in, in your mind's imagination, just screaming at Jesus in the crusade. Blessed is the womb that bore you and blessed is the breast that nursed you. You'd have thought Jesus' response would be something else. See his answer in 28. His answer in verse 28. But he said, more than that, more than the womb that bore me. For those of us that have, you know, brought even Mary to the point where we can ask her to pray for us. He said, more than that, more than this, more than the womb that bore me and more than the breast that fed me. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is Jesus speaking, you know. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. There is a blessing that accompanies hearing the word of God and keeping it, observing it. That's what the word says. And, and that suggests being active about it. It's the word fulasontes. Fulasontes. P-H-U-L-A-S-S. O-N-T-E-S, fula santes, fula santes, fula santes. That's the word, keep it, or the word, observe it, fula santes. P-H-U-L-A-S-S-O-N-T-E-S, fula santes. That's the word, observe it. Blessed are those that hear the word of God and 
hear the word of God and keep it. And of course, we know right now who the word of God is, right? The word phulasontes is from the Greek word phulaso, and it means to observe by having an eye upon. You know, it refers to the uninterrupted vigilance that shepherds keep at night when they are keeping their flock. You know, like a military guard. You know, there's no time where there is, you know, in the UK, they have what they call changing of the guard. So if, if somebody is standing and guarding, um, that's for La Santes in the sense that if the guard has to be changed, whoever is coming to replace this person has to come there and occupy that spot before this person moves. So there's never a time where that spot is not manned. There's, there's never a time when that spot is not manned. That's, how, that's what it means to keep it, to keep God's word. It's like you're marking, you know how they say you're playing football or, or, or basketball and you're marking your opponent. You're literally marking life from the standpoint of God's word. You're marking circumstances from the standpoint of God's word. You're marking situations whenever life throws at you from the standpoint of God's word. And there is a blessing attached to that. What is that blessing? The Greek word used for blessing is the word I told you last week, the word... In this context, is the word makarios. Makarios. That's the word makarios. There's two words used for blessing in the New Testament. There's the word makarios and there's the word eulogio, from which you get eulogy. You know, E-U-L-O-G-E-O. Eulogio. And you know, again, English just says blessed. So you're thinking, ah, if you're saying that Christ has blessed us, how come again you are saying that if we do the word of God, we will be blessed? I thought all the blessing has been received in Christ, who is the blessing. Until you understand that in the original language, there's two different words used um, and not interchangeably at all to explain this. So the word used for blessed in James 1.25, he who looks into the perfect love of liberty and continues therein, um, and is not a forgetful hearer, and, but is a doer of the work. The same will be blessed in what he does. And again, you saw that in, in Revelation 1.3, blessed is the one yeah, that reads this thing and does it. And then you saw again in Luke 11.28, Jesus said, more than, than my mom who's fed me and all that, blessed is the one who hears the word and observes it, right? Who, who marks with it, who does business with it. That word blessed in those instances I've shown you is the word makarios, M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S, M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S. It is not the same word used for Ephesians 1.3, for instance. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. That is not the word makarios. That is the word eulogio. That's the word eulogio. E-U-L-O-G-E-O. -E Blessed is the variant of the same word. In Ephesians 1.3 is the word eulogetos from the root word eulogio, you know, which means blessed. And it's only used of God the Father and Christ God the Son. Yeah, it's only used of that. Is only used of God. In other words, so when, when, when Hebrew says concerning Melchizedek and Abraham, that of necessity, the lesser is blessed by the greater because blessing is something that only God can do. So a man cannot bless man. Ouch. I release the blessing. 
I release the blessing of God upon you. The word eulogetos, as, as, as a derivative of eulogio, is only used of God the Father and Christ. Only of God. So, Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. The word there again is another variant of eulogio, which is the word eulogetas. Okay, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And the word for blessing there is the word eulogia. So you see, all oh, from the same der derivative, eulogio. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Let me give you one more example. Galatians 3.14. Don't forget the difference between makarios and eulogio. We'll come to that in a bit. Galatians 3.14 um, go back, just back up to 13. You know, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, as is written. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. 14. And this was done that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. That the blessing of Abraham it doesn't say Abraham's blessings. So you can't sing Abraham's blessings are mine. Uh -uh. It says that the blessing, and the word for blessing there is the word eulogia from the word eulogio. Blessing. Singular blessing. Just as the seed of Abraham is singular, spama, in the same way the blessing of Abraham, who is the seed of Abraham, who is the promise to Abraham, who is the covenant with Abraham, is singular. Does that make sense? And that's the word eulogio. Now let me tell you the meaning of makarios and the meaning of eulogio. Makarios describes a believer in an enviable position. A believer in an enviable position. Watch this. As a result of receiving God's provisions and favor. As a result of receiving God's provision and favor. And makarios literally means to extend, to make long, to make large, to continue to expand, to continue to, you know, to, to stretch in your capacity to handle and, and consolidate the favors of God that come upon you. That's the word makarios. It doesn't end there. I mean, I hope you guys will get this. The Christ-conscious believer is one who is bound by and yielded to God's word in the light of Christ only. And there's a blessing that accompanies, or there are blessings that accompany obedience in the word. As different or as distinct from the blessing that is Christ in the believer that everybody has. So watch this. It means therefore, and I hope that you're following me, that every believer has eulogio in the same measure. But not every believer will enjoy makarios in the same measure. Every believer has eulogio. As per Ephesians 1.3, yeah. blessed be God who has blessed us with every spiritual eulogio yeah. Yeah. in heavenly places. And eulogio is the blessing that can only come from God in the person of Christ. That's Ephesians 1.3. Blessed, eulogesia, be the God of our Father Jesus Christ who has blessed us, eulogetes, with every spiritual blessing, eulogia, in heavenly places in Christ. Cursed, 
uh, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3.13, as it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, verse 14, that the blessing, eulogia, of Abraham. Does that make sense? The God commendation of Abraham. Yeah? yeah? The God personification of God's person. The personification of God's, um, how do I put it? Essence. God's commendation to man. That's eulogio. And who is that? Christ. So Romans 5, 8 says, Therefore God commended his love towards us. Are we getting it? Yes, sir. It's Christ. That is not the word used in the context of obedience to God's word and receiving a blessing thereof. The word blessing used for obedience to God's word and receiving, shall I say, a benefit or a reward is the word makarios, which means to be in an enviable position as a result of the enlargement that comes from enjoying God's favor. Does that make sense? And that's why most times, I've noticed most times when we're praying for favor, we always go to the Old Testament. Because we can't really see explicitly places in the New Testament that talk about God will give you favor. Yes, sir. Because the favor you enjoy in the New Testament is directly proportional to your level of obedience to God's word in the light of Christ only. Yes, sir. So that's important. Makarios, the definition doesn't end there. It, an enviable position as a result of receiving God's provisions and God's favor, right? Makarios means literally to be enlarged. Yeah, to make large as a result of receiving God's benefit. And it says that this, this enlargement, Macarius says, that this enlargement happens with receiving and obeying the Lord in birthings of faith. Macarius enjoying God's favor and provision in such a way that makes you enviable and therefore enlarging you happens to the measure of your receiving and obeying the Lord by faith. So it turns out that beyond just Christ being formed in you, it's actually in your benefit to be word abiding. Yes, yes, yes. It's in your benefit. It's in your benefit to be word abiding. It's, your, it's in your benefit to be spirit led. It's you who benefits. What, what does it add to God? God is all the God that he has the capacity to be from as long as he's been God, which is from forever. So your obedience doesn't add to God as much as it adds to you of what God has done for you in Christ. So your obedience is how Christ died for the whole world. No, the whole world is reconciled to God. No, the grace of God that, that, that brings salvation, Titus 2, has appeared to all men. God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. Uh, John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the entire world. Romans 5, We have been reconciled to God. Have been reconciled to God. So the whole world is reconciled to God. The sins of the whole world is taken away. But the whole world are not sons of God. Whose sins are forgiven? The entire world. Who has been reconciled to God through Christ? The entire world. Who is at peace with God? The entire world. Who is saved? The entire world. Who is a son? The entire world cannot be a son. So who is a son? Those who have received and believed. John 1, 11, he came to his own. His own believed him not. But to those that believe him, that's how that, that, that statement, it comes from verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Twelve. 
But, can you see? As a conjunction coming from verse 11. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. To become sons of God. To those who believe in his name. So he died for the world, but it takes believing faith. It takes believing to activate sonship in your life. Do we get the principle? So in the same principle for the believer, Christ is the blessing. Christ is the eulogio. And therefore, everybody that believes, everybody that receives, comes into the blessing of Abraham. Yeah? Galatians 3.14. Comes into the blessing of Abraham. Of equal measure, because it's Christ. We are all joint heirs with Christ. So our spiritual standing is the same. Do you understand? Our spiritual standing is the same. Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So you had it before. But you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, which means Father. Father. 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children, technon, right? Sons of God. It's not gender sensitive. 17. And if children, then heirs. And he qualifies that. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we are heirs of the Father. That's the, that's the emphasis. And joint heirs with the son. That's what the blessing is. The blessing brings us into God's covenant as fulfilled in Christ. So we are all eulogized on the same level. Let me put it that way. Right? We are all eulogized on the same level. But when it comes to Makarios, everybody has their own level. To the measure of individual application to God's word. This is now what differentiates the earthly manifestation of one believer over another. The level of yieldedness to God's word. Looking into the perfect law of liberty. Continuing in it. Not being a forgetful hearer, but being a doer of the work. Doing and teaching. Practicing it. Observing it, right? Luke eleven twenty eight. And I said, observing is the word for la sontes, which means to mark, to apply diligently in a military sense. No, no day off, no time when your eyes are off the ball. Afrorontes, pretty much. Such a person has enviable benefits and favor that cause you to enlarge as a result of receiving and obeying God's word by faith. That's important. So there's, there's different levels of Makarios manifestations in our, in our lives to the measure that we obey. If God says to you, for instance, if you want to enjoy, for instance, you want to enjoy what they call divine protection, you don't see any particular, I mean, even in 2 Thessalonians 3, 2, when Paul is saying pray for, he says pray for us that we may be delivered from unreasonable men for not all have faith. He didn't pray for them to die. See, see it in your Bible. Put us in the NLT. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 1. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. This is the, this is the Apostle Paul requesting the church in Thessalonica to pray. He says, pray, pray that the Lord's message will spread 
rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. See verse 2. Pray too that we, the apostles who are in the, in the field, will be rescued from wicked and evil people. For not everyone is a believer. Why did Paul not pray for all evil and wicked people to be killed by fire of the Holy Ghost and by thunder? 1 Timothy 2, from verse 1. Which the NLT. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them, too. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Verse 3. This is good that we can live good lives, right? Marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Verse 4. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth? New King James says, who will have all men who desires all men to be saved. How many people does God desire to be saved? All, all. all men. If God is killing men, wouldn't that contradict his desire that all of them should be saved? You see why the word of God needs to be rightly divided, not balanced. And that's why we said that Christ is the explanation of God. Christ reveals the nature of God. To understand the nature of God is to understand Christ. To be conscious of Christ is to know God. God cannot be different and Christ different in fundamental behavior. Christ is the explanation of God. And what's God's desire? That all men be saved. If God is the one killing them before they are saved, then God is the one sabotaging his own ministry. That's the truth. I want you to be saved. I went through all these stops. I pulled everything. I gave up myself. Yeah. I purchased you with my own blood. Yeah. And all I'm doing is waiting for you to come into the believing of what I've already done for you while you were yet a sinner. And then you come and you threaten, I will kill you and shed your blood when I shed mine to save you. That's why we said you must obey, be yielded to and bound by God's word in the light of Christ only because it's the explanation of God. He is the word that was made flesh. Can you see where we're going with this? So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 2, he said, pray for us that we may, delivered, we may be delivered. And that's the prayer I pray. Be delivered from unreasonable and, and, and wicked men for not all have believed. So the reason why people are unreasonable and wicked is because they have not yet believed what we have believed. Yes, Who has believed our report, right? Yes, Isaiah. So people are wicked and unreasonable because they have not yet believed. They have not yet exercised faith that their sins are forgiven. Yes, that the grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all men. That the whole world is in Christ reconciled to God. So Paul prays almost as it were a prayer of preservation, you know. Deliver us from them while they are being wicked and until they have an exercise faith. Deliver us from them. Not kill them. Not kill them. Do you understand this? Not kill them. So I was, I was, the example I was going to give was divine protection. Yeah. So you don't see scripture expressly saying in the New Testament that thou shall have divine protection. You know, thou shall be guarded going out. Thou shall be guarded going in. 
But is there divine protection for the believer? Yes. How do you enjoy that divine protection in the New Covenant, in the New Testament? By obedience to God's word. In the person of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you get up to go out and the, you hear the word of God say to you in your ear, that's the rema, an uttered word, yeah. and says to you, drop from this taxi now. Now. And you're like, hey, what's this? And you disobey God's word in the light of Christ because now he's speaking in you. He's not speaking through the law and the prophets. He's speaking through his son yeah. expressly in your heart. That's the place of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's why we are teaching you so that you don't need us to teach you. Do you know what I just said? That's why we are teaching you so that you no longer need us to teach you. That's why sometimes when you come to me with a question, I don't give you the answer. I tell you, I give you the formula. Go and work it out. I give you the formula. So go and do it. Come back. Tell me what you found out. I will straighten what you found out. I'll send you off again to go and do it. I'm teaching you until I don't need to teach you anymore. That's what I'm teaching. That's what I'm teaching. So is that divine protection in the New Testament? Yes, there is. Where is it embedded? It's embedded in the obedience of the believer. So divine protection is not eulogio. Divine protection is makarios. Some will enjoy it, some will not. Do you get it? So some people will have eulogio, the blessing of God, sat with Christ in heavenly places. You know what I mean? Far above principalities and powers. You are saved forever. If you die today, you are at peace with the Lord. You know, you're not worried about your salvation. But you will still enter trouble because you heard the Holy Spirit say to you, don't do this, and you did it. And to him that knows what to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's what James says. So can you see how there's divine protection in the New Testament? Can you see how there's favor in the New Testament? Can you see how there's children in the New Testament? It's your obedience to the word of God in spite of you at all times. Whether it makes sense or not. And the majority of times God will keep it in the realm where it doesn't make sense to cause you to exercise faith because it is faith that releases Makarios. It is faith. Obeying in faith. Remember the the narrative in John chapter 2? Woman. You know, Mary came to him and said, you know, I, I, the people have no wine. She must have had a stake in the wedding. Yeah. The people have no wine. Jesus says, one, what have I to do with you? My time hasn't come. But then she goes in verse five and tells the, the disciples, the servants. She says, whatever he says to you to do, do it. Whatever he says. He, if Jesus had told them, pluck this from the sky. Put your sleepers inside the gutter. Fetch. Mary had set them up for Macarius. By prompting them to be inclined towards keeping his word. Yes, sir. Full Yes, sir. The moment Mary said this to the servants, I'm very sure the servants were just marking. Remember that, full yeah. They were just marking Jesus, waiting to see what is the next thing that Jesus is going to say that sounds like something we should possibly do. Because blessed is the one who hears and does. So I'm sure they would have just been around. Please, so please, you guys, watch Jesus. If he, if he says anything that looks so much as a suggestion of what should be done, pick it! Because he's coming from a woman who understands who she has told us to listen to. So Macarius was set up at the place of obedience. Are you getting this? And sure enough, verse 6, there were water pots standing, each one holding a hundred liters of water. You know, And those water pots were used to wash people's feet, people's legs. 
according to the manner of purification of the Jews. The manner of the purification of the Jews was such that if you were from a well-to-do home, you had water pots outside your house so that as guests arrive, you have servants that wash the feet of the guests as they go into the house. It was these servants, these feet-washing servants that Mary told whatever he tells you to do, do it. It wasn't believers. That was just the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It was, it was not disciples, he told. It was the servants in that wedding house who know that this is our water pot for washing people's legs. Oh. Do you understand? It wasn't just some random servants. It wasn't like Zinis is coming, you know, to do guests and brings her waiters. No, no, it was the servants in the house. And Mary says, mark him. Observe him. Keep him. Whatever, she did, she, whatever he says to you, do it and see what will happen. And surely enough, two verses later, Jesus gives them something to do. He says, fill the water pots with water. He just said, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. See what they did because of what they heard. And they filled them up to the brim. Jesus said, fill them up. They filled them up to the brim. Put another translation, TPT. Fill the water pots with water right up to the very brim. They add this. But the original says, fill the water pot with water. Let me just go there quickly. You know how TPT just collapses the original meaning already into a statement and gives away what you should actually walk into. Okay, so Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And the word there is the word gemisate, G-E-M, like gem, gemi with an I, sate. To fill the water pots with water. And they filled them. They filled them. To fill, it just means to load, you know, load them. Yeah? Gemisate. It comes from the Greek word, from the root word gemizo. Gemizo. Okay. It's actually pronounced gemizo. G-E-M-I-Z-O. Gemisate. To feel. Okay? That's what he said to them. He, let me put it this way. He says to them, pour water into the pot. All right? It just says pour water into the pot. And then the original translation says, and they fill them up to the brim. And the word brim is the word ano. A-N-O. It's not just, so they gemizoed or gemisateed into ano. So they went over and beyond what Jesus said. Remember Macario's definition? Mm -hmm. That you are enviable in a fortunate position because of the favor that you receive that causes you to enlarge as a result of obedience through faith yes, to God's word. Up above, up to the top, up to the brim, Things above, that's the word I know. That's the word I know. They fill them up to the very brim. So they, they because of what, oh man, Lord Jesus, open his eyes. Because of what Mary said to them, whatever he tells you, you do it. As they said, point the water, it filled. They were not, I'm sure they would have, they said to overflow, right, above. Yeah. Until the water is pouring to the ground and they like have two or three witnesses to say, uh -huh. Can you, is it full? Is it full enough? Is it, is it overflow? They went over and above in their eagerness to obey, to do. 
and a believer must be that inclined in their followership of Jesus to obey. And the things that people are running after and calling ministry, the things that people are naming their ministry after, divine deliverance upon Mount Zion, International Incorporated Ministries of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prophetic seed-bearing anointing, anointing to give birth to children. You know, you know all these programs. We do seminars on how to find your life partner. Marriage release. Lord, release my husband by fire. We have not seen release my wife yet. It's always, you know, it's always sisters that we have conditioned to feel disadvantaged for not having a husband. Meanwhile, it was not sisters that God told it's not good for you to be alone. It's men. So we, we, we're running ministries on all these things that are actually makarios. That should come, to, that should gravitate towards you as benefits for simply right believing. For just obeying God's word. Because God's word is for application. You have to be eager to do, to reap benefits. I'm talking earthly benefits. So your internal salvation is fine. But it won't pay your rent. Come to Jesus. He will make your life better. Scam. Come to Jesus. All your problems will fade away. You have been scammed. Since I came to the Lord, things have not gotten better. Check your level of yieldedness to God's word. You are saved. Don't doubt your salvation. You are saved. But a small sickness comes and you're like, ah, if I'm a child of God, why am I sick? You have just sabotaged your makarios, the healing benefit that comes with sonship. Why? Because you have just stopped your fuller sontes. Yes. Rather than marking God at all, are you following me? Rather than marking, you have allowed space for doubt. And you have allowed what he has not given you to take root because he has not given you the spirit of fear. Where did fear enter then from? Because you took your eyes off the prize. Get up, go here. Just obey. Read God's word that says, forgiven as God in Christ forgave you. And you still refuse to forgive. Even though the word of God tells you, you should forgive. You now start developing high blood pressure and blame it on the devil. The devil is innocent. The devil didn't do you. And so you sabotage your makarios of health. Because you get so worked up by what somebody did. It eats you up. And once your mind is sick, give your body time. It will follow suit. I repeat, once your mind is sick, give your body a little, your, your body will express what is going on in your mind. Your body will express what is going on. There's no way you can be sick in the mind and not sick in the body. It follows. He follows. So John says, I, in, in his prayer, well, in his greeting, really, to the churches, he says, I, I, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And you are still pretending. And you're expecting Macarius in your life. No, you are saved. You have eulogio. Macarius, you have to be obedient. Is this helping anybody? Yes, sir. That's what is at stake with obeying God's word. 
then you begin to go back to understanding that the Christ-conscious believer understands the rights, privileges, and responsibilities of sonship. That's the doing of the work of obeying God's word. You cannot be a son and disobey the word of your father because you know that he's your father. You shouldn't take delight in disobeying a father that you know loves you unconditionally. That should be your gravitation to be eager for good works. Right? Titus says, a people eager for good works. The fact that Christ has redeemed us from the law, you know, now we don't have to, we don't have to give, we don't have to be punished because we give, and you stop giving. You are not manifesting sonship, and therefore there's a level of gravitation that you will not attract because you have become stingy. You're not allowing yourself to participate in the grace of giving. Remember? Second Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. The word of God is for application. A believer that is yielded to God's word understands that with this rightly divided word, there can be no mixture. You see how I've taken time to build it? If you understand that this word of God is for application, if you understand that you are blessed in the reading, you're blessed in the, in the, in the hearing, you're, you're blessed in the doing, in the observing of God's word, and that blessing is not eulogio as in Jesus. Do we understand that enough now? Makarios, as in the benefits that accompany salvation. Do you understand? The benefits that accompany what you have in Christ Jesus. And that's why they vary, they vary, they vary, they vary. They vary according to believers' sense of a level of, level of obedience. And then so you, the question also arises, oh, but there's, there's brothers who really, really love Jesus. You know, Jim Jim brothers. They pray, they fast, you know, but nothing is happening for them. Check their revelation of Christ. Because God's word must be obeyed in the light of Christ only. So somebody who is praying and fasting day and night for all his enemies in his village to die, is he praying the mind of the Father? No. Will he get the results? No. Because the assurance we have is that when we pray, ask anything in his name and in accordance with his will. His will is as revealed through who? Jesus, the logos of God. <laughs> A brother who is trying to be self-righteous, will he enjoy the macarios of God? No. Because that's a righteousness that is apart from the law. Romans chapter 3 has appeared, right? 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. So if somebody is praying day and night and quoting and enforcing the law, will he get the Macarius result? No, because that's not the mind of the Father. A believer yielded to God's word in the light of Christ only understands that this rightly divided word cannot be mixed. You can't mix it. You know, you're not a DJ. You can't mix it. Tell your neighbor if you have one, you can't mix it. Tell yourself if you're alone. Say, you can't mix it. You can't mix it. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. See what it says. Go from verse 1. Go from verse 1. Hebrews 1 1. Give, let me see how the TPT puts this. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. Our ancestors. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time. Building one truth upon another. Two. But to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of the Son. The appointed heir of everything. Put us back in the New King James. Hebrews 1 and 1. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by how? By his son. 
He spoke to our fathers through the prophets. He's speaking to us now by his son. Who is the son? Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? The word. So if you're reading the Old Testament, you must read that in the light of what the son said. What the son revealed. What the son manifested. What the son showcased. What the son taught. What the son preached. Because the Old Testament is the message of the son, right? John 5, 39, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. Luke 24, where were we? We're in Hebrews 1, right? About no mixture. You can't mix. Luke 24, 25. Luke 24, 25. And he, that's Jesus, this was the journey on the, I think I mentioned this last week, the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. I mentioned this last week. 25, then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 27, and beginning at Moses, that is the five books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, referred to as the Pentateuch, P-E-N-T-A for Penta, five, right? Pentateuch, T-A-U-C-H. The five writings, okay? The five writings in, the, in Aramaic. Pentateuch. Penta, P-E-N-T-A-T-A-U-C-H. One word, Pentateuch. That's the five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He wrote a little portion of the, of the book of Psalms. He wrote a few Psalms. But the five books of Moses are the Pentateuch. Okay, the entire Old Testament, the law and the prophets are together referred to in Hebrew as the Torah, T-O-R-A-H, the written law of God. Okay, the law and the prophets written is the Torah. The five books of Moses are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. So beginning at Moses, does that make sense? Not Moses the person, but Moses the logos of what Moses wrote. Yeah? So you can call these five books the expressions of Moses. So beginning at these five books and all the prophets and the law and the prophets together make the Old Testament, right? Or the scriptures. Beginning at them, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay? 44. Now he appears to them, you know, in the room. And then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. 45. And he opened their understanding. He opened their understandings that they may comprehend the scriptures, in the light of him. Does that make sense? Because if you go back to that verse in 44, you see it again. That he said to them, these are the words which, were, which I spoke to you when I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are, were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Who was the law of Moses concerning? Christ. Christ. He said it in John chapter 5. Yes, sir. Who were the prophets concerning? Christ. Who were the Psalms concerning? Christ, I said this last week. So he opened their eyes to understand scripture in the light of Christ. You can't DJ with it. God is speaking expressly from the written word revealing the son. 
the Logos. Whenever we read the written word, therefore, we read it with the understanding in the light of what Christ is saying through it and what it is saying about Christ. It has to be revealed in Christ. You can't mix the law and the gospel. Grace did not come to make it easier to keep the law. Age-old argument. You know, now it now looks as though they make it look like um, um, grace is threatening the law. You know, like I want grace preachers. You know, all these new generation churches. This uh, once saved, always saved. Uh, is, is, where is this new message coming from? No, it's not the new message. It is the real message. Yes, and it's older than this nonsense. So now he's making it look as though grace is coming to threaten law. But after Jesus died and resurrected, what was happening with the early church was that law was threatening grace, which is the message. See John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're about to go to Galatians 3, but let's go to John chapter 1. <laughs> 14. I said grace did not come to make it easier to keep the law, right? You can't mix the law and the gospel. John chapter 1, verse 14. John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace. And truth. It gets juicier. 15. John bore witness of him, the word, made flesh, right? And cried out, saying, this is who he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. 16, it gets even sweeter. And of his fullness, we have all received, and we have received what? Grace for grace. It gets even much juicier in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So grace and truth came to retire the law of Moses. Yes, sir. It's not great. You, you are feeling threatened in your law because you are still holding on to a shadow when the substance is here. Yes. You're still holding on. You bought an iPhone. It was not in stock. We gave you the dummy. In the store and say, just hold this, be looking at the iPhone, be familiarizing yourself with the iPhone, you know, get used to carrying the phone, get used to the weight of this dummy. You know the dummies you have in the, in the store, yeah. you know, just get used to it. And then now we bring you your phone. We say the dummy is of no use to you. You say no. I want to, to mix the dummy and the phone. When I'm going out sometimes and I don't want area boys to mug me, I will carry the dummy. So that if they manage to collect the dummy, the phone is intact. Picture that analogy for a minute. So you are trying to hold on to a substance when the reality is here. And trying to justify the need, the ongoing need for the shadow that scripture makes explicitly clear has come to an end. It's fading away. He takes away the first that he might establish the second, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to them that believe. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. The ministry of death, 2 Corinthians 3 from verse 8, 7, 8 downwards, you know, had glory. But the ministry of the spirit had greater glory. The ministry of condemnation had glory. But the ministry of the spirit has greater glory. Both of them cannot coexist side by side. In Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain, and you, you see out of the clouds appear Moses, representing what? The law. You know this by now. And you see Elijah representing who? The prophets. Because until John the Baptist, Elijah was said to be the greatest prophet. And he shows the. And then in the middle of that, you see the son, Jesus. And God speaks with a loud voice from heaven and says, confirming what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 1 and verse 1. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. End of law, end of prophets. Moses and Elijah vanish, leaving Jesus with Peter, James, and John, signifying the vanishing away of the law and the prophets. Are you with me? And signifying the error of the Son, the error of the Logos. That's what the writer of Hebrews meant when he says, in various times, in various ways, different kinds of ways, you know, he spoke to our fathers through the prophets. And now, 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 he has spoken through the Son. The question now is, would you hear him? Would you hear him? So where were we? You can't mix the law and the gospel. Galatians 3. And so I was saying that people now are feeling like grace is coming to, to change the message. No, it was what you are, church is holding on to now religiously. That is the different message. That's what is changed. Galatians chapter, chapter 3. Actually, go from chapter, go to chapter 1. Just go to chapter 1. You see how Paul starts the, 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 the book, the, the, the epistle to the churches in Galatia. He didn't even greet them properly. He didn't greet them here properly. He was not very happy with them. Paul, an apostle not from men, Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, an apostle not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil Age according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, straight to the point, no mocking about. I marvel that you are turning away so soon. Listen to me carefully. You are turning away so soon from him who called you in what? In the grace of Christ. God called us in the grace of Christ. To a different gospel. So what is the gospel that we are called into? The gospel of the grace of Christ. So if you are turning away from grace, it's when you are turning to another gospel, which is not another. Are you hearing me today? Yes, sir. So some of you that are afraid. To meet people that are telling you, ah, what you are playing, you are pre preaching a watered-down gospel. No, it is law. It is religion that is a watered-down gospel. It actually is not a gospel. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. It's been removed. You can't mix law. Grace did not come to make it easier for you to keep the law. Paul makes it clear here. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from the grace, from him who called you, in the grace of Christ. To a different gospel. So if there is a gospel, it is the grace of Christ. 
to a different gospel, which is not another. Let's stay here for a bit. Galatians 1, 7. Let's see how the TPT puts this. I've not checked it, but let's see how the TPT puts this. Go back to verse 6. Chai. TPT, Galatians 1, 6. I am shocked over how quickly you have strayed away from the one who called you in the grace of Christ. I'm frankly astounded that you now embrace a distorted gospel. And just before religious people are about to shout, you see, this watered down grace. It's not the gospel. Hear how Paul says, that is a fake gospel that is simply not true. Religion is a fake gospel that is simply not true. Mixing law and grace, deck one, deck two, you know, passed upon the deck, passed upon the deck, is a fake gospel that is simply not true. Are you following me? Verse 8, Galatians 1.8. There is only one gospel, the gospel of the Messiah. There's only one gospel. Go back to New King James. We're in verse 7. Oh, I'm getting excited now. Which is not another... Paul says, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ or the gospel of the grace of Christ. If you followed understanding this gospel, you are a professor in this business. They want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to pervert the gospel of the grace of Christ. Do you you get that? Now switch back to the TPT, still verse 7. Religion is a fake gospel that is simply not true. Yet you have allowed those who mingle law with grace to confuse you with lies. (laughs) Not those who mingle grace with law, but those, because what are we called into? We are called to the grace of Christ. Grace and truth came by him. The law came from Moses and God said he had spoken in time past through the law and the prophets is speaking now through his son. What did he speak through the son? Grace and truth. Are we together? Grace and truth. Behold my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to them that believed. The law held us captive, Romans 3 into 4, until the time for faith. But now that faith has come, there is no longer need for a tutor. Because we are calling to the message of grace. And so these people, you have allowed them to mingle, you know. To mingle law with grace to confuse you with lies. Put the message up. Stay in verse 7. I'm going to drive this home until it provokes somebody in their spirit. It is not a minor variation, the message says, you know. It is completely other, an alien message, a no message, a lie about God. Those who are provoking this agitation among you are turning the message of Christ on its head. You took the grace of God and you flipped it over. Put verse 6, Galatians 1.6 in the message. Let's deal with this for a minute. Paul says, I can't believe your fickleness. How easily you have turned traitor. So to go to diverge to the law after the cross is to walk in treason against the cross. Is to commit felony 
against the cross. After the cross, you know that Jesus died for the sins. For he, we're in, we're in, we're in Romans, Galatians 1.6. Put Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25. The sanctified Jesus, okay, New King James, who was delivered up because of our offenses, our offenses, and was raised up because of our justification. Hmm? Our justification. 1 Corinthians 1.30, all things are of God. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Of him you are in Christ Jesus, of God you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and became for us righteousness from God and became for us sanctification from God and became for us redemption from God. And you know this and you still plant the law as a stumbling block. You are a traitor. It's you that is a traitor. You who is calling other people traitor are the traitor. You who are calling other people antichrist are the antichrist because you are trying to prop up something that the cross retired. Yes, sir. You can't mingle. Galatians 1, 7. So Paul then goes on and starts to lay it down like it's hot in verse 8. Okay, let's, let's finish. Let's read verse 7 again in the message. It's not a minor variation, you know. It is a complete other, an alien message, a no message, a lie about God. Those who are provoking this agitation among you are turning the message of Christ on its head. Verse 8. Let me be blunt. If one of us, even if an angel from heaven were to preach something other than what we preached originally, and what did we preach? Christ and him crucified the end of the law. Let him be cursed. I said it once. I'll say it again. If anyone, regardless of reputation or credentials, regardless of what? Reputation or credentials, your appellation does not matter. Be a JP, be an archbishop, be an archpope, be what the reverend doctor. You have shared the stage with Creflo Dollar and Kenneth Copeland. You have hosted Mike Mudok and Miles Moreau. Your regardless of reputation or credentials, if anyone preaches something other than what you received, Originally, let him be cursed. Let him be cursed. Then he says in verse 10, do you think I speak this strongly in order to manipulate crowds? Can you see that the problem of the church didn't start today? Yes, sir. It's right after the cross. People have been wanting to discredit the cross right from when the incident happened. People have been fighting the gospel of the grace of God right from when he came to die. They want to keep us bound in what feeds their coffers, what, what, what adds value to them, what adds money to them, what gives them control over others. That's witchcraft. That's treason. Have I, said, have I spoken this strongly to manip manipulate crowds or curry favor with God or get popular applause? Paul says. And I'm sounding like him right now. If my goal was popularity, I wouldn't bother being Christ's slave. TPT. 1 and 10. Galatians 1 and 10. Malito sopralindo zigadaba. I'm obviously not trying to flatter you or water down my message to be popular with men. But my supreme passion is to please God. For if all I attempt to do is please people, I will not be the true servant of the Messiah. I will not be the servant of God. Verse 11, 
There can be no mixture. Say to yourself, there can be no mixture. No, the Christ conscious believer who is yielded to God's word in the light of Christ and understand that there's a lot of marcarios loaded in it that is linked to your obedience understands that that will not come through mixture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've just explained to you how you don't need to go and quote one psalm of God killing his enemies to, think, to know that you enjoy divine protection. <laughs> and I, I know for somebody that was deliverance right yes, there. Sir. Yes, sir. You don't need to go and quote one scripture. Of, no, no. In just your day-to-day obedience to God's word, in the light of Christ, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, yes. you are covered. Yes, sir. You are protected. You are preserved. You are delivered. You are healed. You're healed. He speaks in you. He's resident in you. He has to be resident. You can't mix the law and grace. There can be no mixture. Let me say this emphatically that the gospel, verse 11, entrusted to me was not given to me by any man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Shout it wherever you're watching from, there can be no mixture. You can't mix the law and grace. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Remember Romans 3.21, for a righteousness apart from the law has been revealed. Knowing that man, that no one is justified by, by, by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even as we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Why? Because by the works of the law, no flesh. So I'll be justified. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul now starts to charge at them for trying to introduce law into the gospel. That's always been the problem. The problem has never been, oh, you are trying to introduce grace. grace The problem has always been people that are fighting the introduction, the gospel by itself. So you were trying to inject law into the gospel because the gospel is too easy. It's too, that's why Paul, Paul says in Corinthians that he chose these things in their own wisdom. They didn't grasp it. He now decided to use the foolish things. How does it make sense? But it makes perfect sense. Actually, one person died everywhere that was born, was born a sinner. One person is righteous, everyone that believes is born again and is born righteous. It's straightforward. Being born, being born again. So Paul says, oh foolish Galatians, switch to the TPT. Oh, you're going to enjoy this. There can be no mixture. Shwiki, 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 shwiki. Hallelujah. Galatians 3, 1 in the TPT. Oh, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I'm quoting Bible. What has happened to you Galatians to be acting so foolishly? You must have been under some evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this, verse 2. Paul says to them, did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping the Jewish law? And then he answers. He says, no. You received the Holy Spirit as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Switch to NLT, verse 2. Galatians 3, 2 in the NLT. Oh, foolish Galatians. 
The message even puts it worse. Put, go back the message. Galatians 3, 1 in the message. Oh, foolish Galatians. This, in the NLT, put it in the message. Galatians 3, 1. You crazy Galatians. The message was not me, it's Eugene Patterson. You crazy Galatians. Crazy. Chris, 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 Chris. He now goes further. He said, did someone put a hex on you? That's a hex is a spell. Somebody chant. You just go. Hmm. That's a hex. Paul said, crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Keep going. Have you taken leave of your senses? That's how crucial the matter was. Have you, have you, you have given your senses holiday? Lockdown. Have you taken leave of your senses? Something, go on, something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. It's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your life. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Verse 2. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? And that's the law. Or was it by responding to God's message to you? And who is God's message to you? Christ. The word made flesh. Verse 3. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people will think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people, people that have been colorized. Do you understand? People that have been colorified. Only crazy people who have taken leave of their senses can believe that they can complete by their own effort what was begun by God. Say it again to yourself or your neighbor. There can be no mixture. Scripture is clear. Scripture is very clear. Scripture is very, very clear. It's so clear, scary. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? It gets worse. Verse 4. Did you go through this whole pain, painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep up this craziness. Verse 5. Another question. Answer this question. Verse 5. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your life you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust him to do them in you? Stay in verse 5, switch to TPT. 3.5 in the, in, the in, the, in the Passion Translation. Let me ask you again. What does the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power, what have they to do with you keeping religious laws? Biko. Mbok. Da Allah. 
Play it again from the beginning of that verse. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to rush this. I'm not going to feel the pressure. Let me ask you again. What does the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power, what have they to do with you keeping religious laws? Somebody said there can be no mixture. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through the revelation and power of faith, not by keeping the law. Grace did not make it easy for you to keep the law. Yes, Grace retired the law so you can keep the word. Yes, Plurosantes, the word. Yes, Grace did not come to make it easy for you to keep the law. Grace fulfilled and therefore retired the law so you can keep the word. See the word clearly and obey him. And obey him. There can be no mixture. You can't mix the law and grace. You can't. To interpret how much more to fruitlessly, pra fruitlessly practice the law outside the revelation of Christ is to walk oblivious and therefore in disobedience to the full counsel of God. To see Christ, to be on this side of eternity, to be on this side of the cross and to try to interpret the, the law in the absence of its revelation of Christ and to even go as far as trying to keep the law is to walk in diametric opposition to the counsel of Christ. Because by the counsel of God, the law has been retired. Galatians chapter 3. Grace did not come to make it easy for you to keep the law. Grace fulfilled and therefore retired the law so you can keep the word. Don't forget that too. Hallelujah. Galatians 3, are we there? Verse 19, stay in the TPT. Oh, scales are falling off people's eyes tonight. I can sense it. I can sense it. I can sense it. Why then, verse 19, why then was the law given? This is scripture I'm reading to you. It was meant to be an intermediary agreement added after God gave the promise of the coming one. Added after God gave the promise of the coming one. It was an intermediary, temporary agreement is anybody listening to me yes. temporary agreement temporary agreement temporary agreement hallelujah why then was the law given it was meant to be and go back yeah okay an intermediary agreement added after god gave the promise of the coming one added after God gave the promise. Yeah? Please mark that. Intermediary. Hmm? Yeah. Given to lead us from here to here. Yeah. So the law was the bridge between the promise and the fulfillment. Yes, Does that make sense? Yes, promise, sir. law, fulfillment. Make sense? Yeah, okay, 16. Re remember the royal proclamation God spoke over Abraham and Abraham's child, and to Abraham's child, God said that his promises, mark the word promise, yeah. were made to pass Unto Abraham's child, capital C, not children, TPT. And who is this child? It is the son of promise, Jesus, the anointed Messiah. It's clear, right? 17, 17. This means that the covenant between God and Abraham was fulfilled in the Messiah and cannot be altered. Yet, the written law was not even given to Moses until 430 years later after God 
had signed his contract with Abraham. The law then doesn't supersede the promise. Since the royal proclamation was given before the law. The law is not the royal proclamation. The gospel of grace and truth in the promise of God to Abraham by his seed, seed, spama, Jesus, is the promise. That is the royal proclamation. The law does not supersede that. Stay in 17, switch to, the, to NLT. Hallelujah. The, this is what I'm trying to say, NLT. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. And he's not a man, Numbers 23, that he should lie, not a son of man that he should change his mind. We're in chapter 3. So now this now leads us to 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Switch, stay on 19, switch to TPT. Galatians 3. Why then was the law given? It was meant to be an intermediary agreement after, added after God gave the promise of the coming one. It was given to show men how guilty they are. See why it's called the ministry of death? And how Paul says that when the law came, sin revived and I died. How guilty they are. And it remained in force until the seed was born. Um, your neighbor was going out and they said, Chamaka, please, can you help me look after my children on my rice on the fire? It's happened a lot of times with me growing up till I come back. Is that not so? And then you are itching to do something. You, you can hear your, your, your friends playing or video games or, you know, Sesame Street has started or Tales by Moonlight or something. You can see those multicolored screens on the TV and you're like, ah, and they say to you, why can't you come now? You're like, no, I cannot leave until Auntie Rose comes back. Hmm? The moment you are seen, Auntie, the moment you sight Auntie Rose, Auntie Rose has not even finished entry. You meet her outside, Auntie, bye-bye, and boom, you are gone. With no further reference to where you were held bound. Why? Because until has run its course. Until has run its course. It's when you don't have something to do or you have no expectation in this world until you are crazy like the Galatians. It's when you sit down there and tea has come home and you know there's better out there but you just say, you just say, auntie, just, just, I know until you said until I come back but let me just say, most times you are itching and itching. Your, your eye is on the door every time you hear the gate. You are hoping it's auntie's voice that you want to hear. They sought for a city whose builder and founder is God. They kept their eyes on the prize. They knew that the law was not what it was. They knew that there was not all that there was. And they knew there was more coming. And they kept looking. Are you, that's why when even Jesus was with them, they asked him, Are you he who is to come or should we seek for another? They kept looking. They kept looking. They couldn't wait to be rid of the law. They remained guilty. It remained in force until the seed was born. Until the seed was born to fulfill the promises given to Abraham. When God gave the law, he didn't give it to them directly. 
He gave it first to the angels and they gave it to Moses, his mediator, who then gave it to the people. Verse 20. Now, a mediator does not represent just one party alone, but God fulfilled it all by himself. 21. Since that's true, should we consider the written law to be contrary to the promise of new life? How absurd. Truly, if there was a law that, could, that we could keep, which will give us new life, then our salvation would have come by law keeping. Mm -hmm. 22. But since the scriptures make it clear that since we were all under the power of sin, we needed Jesus. And he is the savior who brings the promise to those who believe. So if you don't believe in eternal salvation by the coming of the gift of God as a fulfillment of the promise, keep your version of salvation to yourself. Yes, sir. So until, C23. So until the revelation of faith. See that word again? So until the revelation of faith for salvation was released. The law was a jailer. Yeah, a prison warden. Holding us as prisoners under lock and key. Until, I repeat again, until has run its course. There can be no mixture. Prisoners under lock and key until the faith which was destined to be revealed will set us free. See 24 and the good news. The law became a gateway. Remember why I said the law was a bridge from the promise to its fulfillment? Yeah. The law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith because the law in itself, law keeping cannot bring salvation. Yes, sir. 25. But when faith comes, the law is no longer in force. Since we have already entered into life, the law is no longer in force. It doesn't coexist side by side with grace. Jesus doesn't coexist side by side with Moses. Jesus doesn't coexist side by side with Elijah. The God of Elijah, let him be my God. Oh, who can you see how crazy you are? Those guys wrote in little, they had little, little glimpses of truth. Their revelation was not complete. In many cases, their revelation was flawed because they painted God in a particular light. It's like Job saying, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. The Lord didn't take away anything. Have you read the story? What did the Lord take away? The Lord didn't take away. Instead, what happened at the end of the story? The Lord restored all that the devil took away. It doesn't take away. How does he take away what he gives? Why did he give it if he can't preserve it? Jesus is not coexisting with Moses. Jesus is not coexisting with Elijah or Elisha. Elisha just came out fresh from receiving mantle. And they looked at him like me now. And they said to Elisha, children, go up, thou bald head. Go up. Bald head. Koreangbolo. And just that, that they said to Elisha, Elisha summoned with this fresh anointing that he did not know what to do with. As a shadow of what was coming, he called forth bears and two bears came out of the woods 
and ate 40 of the children. How does that reveal the nature of God? You then come today and mount the poop. You say, brethren, we're going to pray. Every children of mockery, every children that are being your destiny, every children that are exposing your weakness in public, we are going to pray the spirit of the beer devourer. Devour them. Oh yeah, prayer. Clap your hands. And you start to practice the scriptures in the absence of the revelation of Jesus. Without which you cannot understand the nature of the Father. Christ is the explanation of God. How do we know that that's not the mind of the Father? In the book of Luke, they were doing a journey. They went through a city and the people there did not accept that Jesus was the Son of God. They did not accept his message. And the, the, the sons of, 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 of Zebedee, right? James and John, right? Whom Jesus eventually nicknamed Sons of Thunder. Luke chapter 9. Let's, let's go there. Sons of Thunder. They like fire. They like thunder. Jesus looked at them and he laughed to see, see them. Thunder boys. <laughs> Power Rangers. <laughs> Luke chapter 9. 51. Now it came to pass. When the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers ahead of him. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. 53. But they did not receive him because his face, or he was determined, was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Stay in 53 and switch to the TPT. But as they approached the village, they were turned away. They would not allow Jesus to enter, for he was on his way to worship in Jerusalem. He was on his way to worship in Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, right, heard what was happening, they came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you wanted to, you could command fire to fall down from heaven just like Elijah did and destroy all these wicked people. So they were following the example that Elijah set. Are you following me? Elijah used power that he had to call down fire to devour people that needed to be saved and killed them. They said, can we do this like Elijah did? Because we have read in the scriptures that Elijah called down fire and killed 850 prophets of Baal. So, ah, you know, if you had your way now, why are you slacking now, you know, Bros. J? Why are you slacking? You know, we can call down fire from heaven like Elijah did and destroy all these wicked people. See verse 55. Luke chapter 9 verse 55 is in your Bible. TPT, Jesus rebukes them sharply. Saying, don't you realize what comes from your heart when you say that? For the Son of Man did not come to destroy life, but to bring life to the earth. If that doesn't instruct you, nothing else will. If this text doesn't instruct you as to the nature of God as revealed in Christ, nothing else will. Stay in your craziness. Stay. That's why I said the church is the new missions field. It's the church that needs the gospel. It's not the world. Fix the church. And people that are getting saved know that they're coming into a healthy place to grow. You can't mix. He's not killing the people he came to save. Father, kill them. Father, devour them. 
Let your fire fall from heaven. I've said it over and over. If the God you serve cannot preserve you without killing your enemy, change God. Change God. If your God has, because your, your God now killing your enemy to preserve you, your God is admitting that your enemy is powerful enough to kill both you and destroy his work. So, you know, it's either kill or be killed. So it's now God versus your enemy fighting to over you. Can, can you see how little we have made God? So you now call God, God, come and fight my enemy and kill my enemy because my enemy is about to kill me. And if you don't kill my enemy, my enemy can kill me because somehow you cannot keep me alive and keep me away from evil men. According to 2 Thessalonians 3 and 2. You came to give life. I am come that they might have life. You can't mix the law with the gospel. To practice the law, to try to practice the law, to try to interpret the law outside the revelation of Christ is to go against the entire counsel of God. So be careful that when you hear that there's makarios for obeying God's word, you're not going back to try and keep the law because that one is a curse according to Galatians chapter 3. Have you seen it? If anyone, Galatians chapter 1 rather. If anyone comes to you with any other message apart from the message of the grace of Christ, there's a curse, not makarioso. So to enjoy the blessings, the makarios of God, you must obey the word in the light of Christ only. There can be no mixture because until, according to Galatians 3, has run its full course. Christ is the end, Romans chapter 10 and verse 4. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to them that believe. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to them that believe. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.